We are so glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much in you and through you, and we would love to hear about it. Would you send us an email at shannon at hectorfirst.com to tell us your story? You can also go online and give to this ministry by going to hectorfirst.com and clicking the Give tab. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy the message. Jesus Christ for all that he has done for all that he's going to do amen I'm going to start here as soon as I get situated as soon as I get situated yeah. just go with it that's all I know I get uh, sometimes when I'm out in my uh, prayer house, my prayer chicken house, I get a little excited and uh, I pull a little move like that every now and then, a uh, little runaway, so to speak, but nobody usually sees it, but y'all all got to see it tonight. Sometimes, sometimes it just is so much gets upon me. You ever get like that, that you can't hardly contain it? You just can't hardly contain it? And something just has to give. Something just has to give a little bit. And sometimes... There's no one there to see it, but yes, I do um, um, break loose a little bit every now and then. I've even run sometimes. There's no one there to see it. But tonight, I don't know, you might see it. I don't know what this service holds. You may see me run faster perhaps than I ever have. But whatever uh, God has for us tonight, that is what we are just going to do. Amen? Amen. Um, There was a, a commercial uh, on television um, a few years ago. I don't know just how long it's been since I've seen this commercial. But it was about that this guy is standing in front of a big house. It's a big old mansion of a house. And he's standing in front of it. And, uh, and it starts off something like this. Look at this big old house I got. Isn't it really something? This is, And I'm translating this into my own words. Look at this big old house I'm standing in front of. It's really something, isn't it? And what this is, I think it's a commercial for a loaning institution of some kind. They're wanting to loan you some money. They're probably wanting you to consolidate your debt and borrow money from them. So this guy is standing in front of this house. And uh, he says, look at this big old house I've got. And then he says, look over here. See these cars? See all these cars I got? And they're very expensive automobiles sitting out buying and, uh, and then he goes, and what about this boat that I've got? Look at this big old boat I've got. I've got it all, don't I? And here is his question. He says, some of you might ask, how can they afford all of that? And his answer is, it's very simple. We are in debt up to our eyeballs. Has anybody seen that? Anybody? We're in debt up to our eyeballs. I'm going to be talking about a little bit of debt tonight. There's another one that uh, used to be on, and y'all will probably go home thinking, man, that guy knows a lot of commercials. He may not know anything else, but he knows commercials. This one was brought to my attention last week, although I was already going to use it. We're sitting here in service last week, and uh, before we got ready to sing, and uh, Zane and Brian are over there, and I hear them starting in this uh, little discourse, I guess you could call it, and one of them said to the other one, free. And the other one said, free. 
And the other one said, free, free, free. Now, now, does anybody know where I'm going with this? There's another commercial on television. And it is a, income, a tax service. And they're wanting to do your taxes for you. So now I know a lot of you have seen this. And the way it goes is they advertise their service as being free. That it won't cost you anything to file your taxes with them. But if you look into that, we will all find out that they just settled a lawsuit for $141 million paid out to 4.4 million people or something like that because apparently what they said was free, it wasn't really free. So I'm going to talk about debt and I'm going to talk about something that's free. One, one more thing. In about 1998 or 1999, I'm sitting in my house and uh, actually, it wasn't my house. It belonged to Hector Public School. And it was that one right up there that now their central office is in it. Right up there. We lived in it about six months when we had left Appleton. We had sold a house. We came to Hector. We were waiting to buy Brother and Sister Bull's house over there. And we were, it was in the works. We were waiting to buy it. And I'm sitting up there in that little house one day. And the phone rings and I answer it. And it is my banker. And he said, Rick... Uh, did you get anything from me in the mail? And I said, no, we, we didn't get anything from you in the mail. Well, the bank that we were using had changed hands. Someone else had bought them out. And uh, I had a new guy that was helping with all of that stuff. And uh, I didn't know him all that well, but he, he wanted to know if I'd got anything from him. And I said, no. He said, if you get something in the mail from me, he said, call me and let me know you got it. I said, I'll get it to you. He said, oh, no. If you get it in the mail, you call me. I'm going to come to Hector and pick it up. Okay. I said, okay. So the next day, he calls me and he says, uh, did you get anything from us in the mail today? And I said, didn't get anything. He said, well, you're going to because I sent you something. And when you get it, let me know you've got it. And I will come to Hector and pick it up. I said, okay. This went on for three or four days. So finally I got an envelope, an envelope, my mama would call it. I got an envelope. And, uh, and so let me ask you something. I didn't know what was in it, but how many of y'all would have done just like I did and opened that to see what it was? It had my name on it. It probably had Rick and Pam Pruitt on it. It come to my house. Wouldn't every one of y'all open that to see what was in it more than likely? Is any of you that godly? Oh, I wouldn't open that. It had my name on it. I couldn't wait to get it open. <laughs> Anything that my banker would say in Russellville, Arkansas, when you get it, you call me, I will come personally. I'm not sending anybody. He said, I'll come and get it. Here's what it was. We had recently acquired a poultry farm, the one that where we live now that is no longer a poultry farm. It was a sizable amount of money. I don't remember how much it was, but in those days, it seemed like a sizable amount to me. And all of those loan documents, that whole thing was, in, was stuffed in that envelope. The whole loan, the, all of it, everything that we had, where we had borrowed and we had signed on the line. And when you opened it up and you unfolded it, on the front page in a big old stamp was marked, Paid in full. Big old stamp right, right in the middle front. You remember that, Pam? Paid in full. He said, man, you just let me know when you get it. I'll come and pick it up. Now, we would have never been able to pull anything off like that, I don't suppose. But it was nice to see. Paid 
in full. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about debt. We're going to talk about free. And we're going to talk about paid in full. Turn to Romans chapter 6, verse 23. The most popular, uh, the most probably popular, preached from, quoted verse in all of Romans. In all of Romans. And there's a lot of them. There are a lot of very good ones. Let me give you just a couple of them while you're turning. If you're going to look at it. Romans 6.23. I'm going to read the New King James Version. Uh, Paul said this in the first chapter. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Amen. Isn't that a good one? That's a good one, isn't it? That's a good one. Uh, chapter 5, God demonstrates His own love toward us. Then that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more having now been justified by the blood, we shall be saved from wrath to come. Amen. That's a good one, isn't it? Isn't that a good one? I thought it was. I wasn't sure. How about this one? How about this one? If God be for us, who can be against us? Isn't that a good one? Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I appreciate. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Now, we're not on chapter 6 yet. Let me give you one more. Let me give you one more. Here's Pastor Shannon's favorite. You know what it is, don't you, brother? You know what it is? Romans chapter 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And here it is. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How do you find the will of God for your life? Do not conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you will find out what the will of God is for your life. Just by that simple act alone, you can do that. But we're not preaching from any of those. We're preaching from Romans 6.23. Do you see it? Are you there? Do you see it? So it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now when I read that, I think of salvation, a salvation message. And I was uh, thinking, why would you probably want to preach something like that on a uh, Sunday night? You, like to, you would like to think that everybody here... If you've, took, if, you've, if you've managed to come out to the house of God tonight, you probably always love Jesus. But I was talking to a man one time, and this is what he told me. He said, I was going to a church to preach. This was a long time ago. He said, I was going to a church to preach. And he said, I knew when I got there, there was only going to be about a half dozen people there. And he said, I knew every single one of them. And he said, I knew every single one of them was saved. But he said, God gave me a salvation message to go over there and preach to those people about giving their heart to Jesus. He said, I didn't understand it, but I went and I preached what God gave me to preach. He said, I went, I preached the message, left, went home. He said, I found out a short time later, I think from someone 
through the church there. The, 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 the church had windows on the side. The, the windows were open. Next door was a house. That guy over there was lost without Jesus. He didn't know Jesus. He had his windows up. And he was saved as a result of the sermon that the man preached over in the church. So we don't ever know, do we? We never know. We never know. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me read it to you before we pray out of the Amplified. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, that is His remarkable, overwhelming gift of grace to believers, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Amplified Bible, one guy described it as very wordy. There's a lot of words in the Amplified Bible. I don't know if I could read that all of the time, but you got to admit, that's pretty good. It's the remarkable overwhelming gift of grace to believers and that is the eternal life that is in Christ Jesus our Lord let's pray father thank you tonight for your word and we pray now as we begin father that you'll help us that you'll help us that we'll break the, this, this word Lord that we may receive God that it would be something that would encourage us Lord, that it would be something that would strengthen us in the days to come. God, I, Father, I pray, Lord, that as your people tonight, Lord, let your anointing flow through this place. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 Some of you have heard me tell this probably, but uh, more than likely if you've ever heard me say anything, I, uh, I, uh, and, and, and you know, if you, if you listen to me up here tonight and you say, he seems a little scattered. He seems a little messed up. I hadn't had a lot of practice doing this in a long time. So just bear with me. I hadn't, hadn't done this much in a long time. So just bear, bear with me tonight. September 1st, 1957, I came into this world. One mile, I think I've told y'all, one mile down that way. It's, if you know where Randall and Ava live, it's on that road. September 1st, 1957, it was on Sunday. I didn't know that, but I looked to see. It was on a Sunday, the day that I was born and uh, my mama said, uh, and I've told some of you this, but my mama said he's the ugliest baby that I've ever seen. He is the ugliest baby that I've ever seen. Uh, uh, my grandma Pruitt came to the house down there the next day. Grandma Pruitt told me this. And she said, when I came to see your mama the day after you were born, she said, Miss Pruitt, Miss Pruitt, come and see this baby. He's the ugliest baby that I have ever seen. And taking into account that my mama had seen a lot of babies, I must have been really bad. I must have been terrible. She had a whole house full herself, but she had six sisters that had all had babies. And comparing me to all them, she said, Miss Pruitt, Miss Pruitt, come and see. He's the ugliest baby I've ever laid eyes on. Grandma Pruitt told me that when I was about 13 or 14. You can imagine how I felt. About that, you can imagine how I must have felt. I, I was just a little old baby. All these little old babies we got around—they're just—they're so cute and pretty, and we love them all. But you know, every one of them, including every one of us, we all got here the same way. Every single one of us, we were conceived by the lust of the flesh. There is no other way around it. I got that from your grandpa. He told me he said some things back in the day, and I thought, how do you handle certain situations? How do you say certain things from the pulpit? And he said that one day. 
Y'all all can see by the lust of the flesh. That's all there is to it. We all got here the same way. And those cute little babies born with that sinful nature in them, oh, they don't necessarily portray that. They're cute and they're pretty and we love them. But I must admit, we were at our house just the other day, and you know, I got two that sit back here, and Holly Rose goes by. She's not two years old yet, and she goes by, and her sister's sitting in the floor, and as she goes by, she just reaches down and just slammed her back on the floor. Well, that wasn't the love of God doing that. I'm afraid part of the sinful nature is already showing up. Now, you may think it's not in mine, but it is. It is. If you don't think that it's in them, wait till they're eating their next meal and they're just really getting to where they're eating good and they decide just to pick up a spoonful of mashed potatoes and just throw them out across the room or hit somebody. That ain't the love of God doing that, folks. That's the nature from within. Now, I didn't know that as a little old baby boy, but there was a day come... When I had to make a decision whether I was going to do right or whether I was going to do wrong. And there was a day when I knew within myself, I knew when that was. I didn't know exactly when it would be, but I knew, Brother Buck, the day there was a day came in my life when I had to make a conscious, conscious decision whether I was going to do right or whether I was going to do wrong. And I see a picture in my mind as I began to grow and I began to uh, be, went into my teenage years and my early 20s. The picture that I have in my mind is this, as if the enemy of my soul would have begun to keep record of what I was doing, what I was doing wrong, so he could pull it out and use it against me. I see it as it would have been a big board, and he would have had a, a black magic marker. It was black, and he began to write on there all of the things, all of the things that I was doing wrong. Uh, all up through that, from, from 1957 to about 1982, and I had accrued quite a quite a sum of sin, if you will. There were a lot of things against me. But then I remember an old song that I heard one day, and it said, uh, uh, the old account was settled long ago. There was a time on earth when in the book of heaven, an old account was standing for sins yet unforgiven. My name was at the top and many things below, but I went unto the keeper and I settled long ago. This is how it happened. This is how it happened. You see, the wage, the, 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 the wage of sin was accruing. It was getting bigger and it was getting bigger. You know, I had, uh, I've had several uh, jobs in my life. I really have. Not in the last two years, but when I was younger, I took on several different jobs. The first one I ever had, I was hauling pupwood. Pupwood had my brother-in-law haul pupwood. And he paid me for that. I drew a wage. I drew a wage. Got out of school, went to work, went to work for Jack Price, Price Milling Company. Mr. Price, he paid me a wage. At the end of the week, I drew what I had coming. I went from there to somewhere else, DNR Railroad. I was, yes, folks, I was a railroad man. I went to the railroad. I went here, I went there, went back to the log woods. Some of those jobs, I was very tired. Some of them I wasn't very tired. Some I was very dirty. Some I wasn't so dirty. But there's one thing in common. They all, every single one of them paid a wage for what I had done. And if we insist, if we persist in sin, the wage that shall be drawn, this book says, is death. There is no way around it. Here is how it went down. 1982, we come into a service 
over there. And I told part of this at Brother Boyle's funeral. We come into a service over there in that building. In that building, it was two rows of pews. It was farther that way. It was longer, but it was narrower. And uh, so we only had two rows of pews. I sat on this side about two-thirds of the way back. And uh, over by the wall. And uh, we come into church on a Sunday morning, and God began to move. Sister Grice started to sing. And God began to move. I can't explain it. They'd just start singing and God would just start to move. You know what he's looking for, don't you? Listen to me, y'all. He's looking for an avenue to flow through. And that same spirit, hallelujah, that same spirit that would come alive in there and would shake us to our socks. There is no reason why we can't be shook to our socks every Sunday. There's enough of y'all. Now the group that's not coming on Sunday night, they just won't hear this, but for all of y'all, there's enough of us. If we'll prepare an avenue for Jesus to flow through, He will flow. There's enough of us. Woo! One, two, three, four, five, seven, nine, ten, nine, ten, 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 ten. About 50 of you, 50 so, I don't know, 40, 50. That's enough. If we'll work on it, if we'll prepare, if we will prepare, I'll say it again, an avenue for Him to flow. Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. The rest of them will just have to get in whether they want to or not. Amen? Just have to get in. We came to church that morning and, and God started to move. Woo! Man, I tell you, we, we, got, we were just getting started in church about that time. And I'm telling you, every service, every service it was like that. And uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm pretty bad about talking about the good old days. But in 20 years from now, we want the, we want the people that are young now, we want the people that are young now to look back and say that was the good old days. We don't want them to say, man, those people that were older, they were duds. Man, they were just duds. They never worshipped. They never did. It's up to us. It's on us. We want him to say in 20 years, boy, we used to have church in the good old days. Amen? Amen. Amen. Oh, we used to have church in the good old days. These are the good old days. I said about two-thirds of the way back right there. God started to move. The altars filled up. They filled up. I'll tell you, people jumped in there. And, uh, and, and I'll tell you something else. When somebody came to the altar, there was 20 people gathered around them. There was tw- if, somebody go- <laughs> if somebody came to the altar to pray, there wasn't one or two people prayed with them. You couldn't get to them because there were so many people gathered around them. I mean, you'd have to, if you went to pray for them, you might have to stop 10 feet from them because they were over there. Because 10 people had done beat you up there. Listen, y'all. Listen, there's enough of us to do that. Let's do it, okay? If they fall into that altar, let's go pray for them. We're, we're, here's what's happening. Here's what's happening in this service. The, the, the stage was more narrow than this one. And about right here, about right here was, uh, uh, what's her name, Opal? Opal Grice, was that her name? She's playing this organ. Yeah, we had an organ. We had an organ, and she's playing it right here. She played it every Sunday. And, uh, and, uh, and Bill Blaylock's playing a guitar right there. Brother Bull sat right here. And uh, over here was the piano, about right here. Uh, let's see, Janine Wilcup, maybe? I don't know who was playing it. But I'm telling you, I know well, the Spirit of God was moving in a great way. And people were in there praying, and there's one guy I've got my eye on. One guy. Now, as a sinner person under conviction... Under conviction, usually if you're sitting in the pew, you got your head down and you'll just pop one eye up every now and then. Amen? You just pop one eye up every now and then to see what's going on. 
where's everybody at? And he ducked back down. It's the truth. That's what I was doing. Just one eye up, just not both, just one. See where everybody is. Because boy, in those days, whew, man, they'd come back to you and say, what you, what you living in sin for? Why don't you give your heart to Jesus? And you know who it was? It's your daddy. It's my brother. And he's standing behind this organ up there on a the riser. They had some, I think, I guess you'd call it risers across there. And he's standing up there on that, on that riser. And I'm watching him because he's the one I'm worried about. He's really the one I was worried about. Everybody else is praying or occupied in other ways. He's just standing up there. And God was moving. He's just standing up there. And I'm like, why is he just standing up there like that? In a minute, he disappeared. And I thought, yes. Maybe he went and got off down there in that altar. Hope he's off down there praying for somebody. Hope he leaves me alone. I ducked my head back down. I saw he was gone. I ducked my head back down. In a matter of seconds, he appeared at my side right here. He had come off the stage, went all the way down that side, around the back, and come up and snuck up behind me. And here's what he said. Now, don't you think it's about time that you give your heart to Jesus? And I said, and I, and, and I had tried. I believed I had tried, and I had failed. And I told him that that day. I said, I believe that I have tried, and I have failed. And, uh, and uh, I said, I just don't believe it's something that I can do. And we talked a little bit. And for some reason, I said, I'll never forget this. And I told this at Brother Bull's funeral. I remember there were some more men gathered around there. And I said, I want to talk to Brother Bull. Somebody went to get him. And in just a few seconds, he was right here by my side. I didn't see him, but I heard him. He was right here, as I told him at the funeral, right in my ear. Right in my ear. And, uh, and he said, Rick, what, what, what is it that you need? He knew what I needed. What is it that you need? It's like he just wanted to hear me say it. I said, Brother Bull, I need to be saved. I remember I almost yelled at him. I need to be saved, but I just can't live it. And, uh, and he said, and this is what I told him, remember? He said, Rick, if you have to ride the altar to heaven to get there, then just ride it. And, and, and that's what got my attention. I thought, I can do that. I can get saved every day if I have to, if it will, if it will get me to heaven. And that morning, I got up. And I made my way to the altar, and there's no song says, uh, and this may be talking about a baptism. Well, I don't know if it is or not, but there's an old song that says, I went down a sinner, but I came up a child of God. Amen? Hallelujah. I went down a sinner, and every one of you that are Christians did the same exact thing. Went down a sinner and came up a child of God. And you remember that old devil? He had up there what all I had done wrong. I see a picture of this in my mind. He had up there the list of all that I had done wrong. And on that day, my Savior, my Savior took a big red magic marker. Red! I said red! Not black. Red! There was black writing on that paper. But my Lord Jesus, He took a big red magic marker and he put a big X I said a big X right through all that the devil had against me and at the bottom it said paid in full paid in full paid in full by the blood of the lamb paid in full by the and so it is for each one of you paid in full 
by the blood of the Lamb. You see, the wage of sin had accumulated in one service. Jesus put a big red X through it by His blood and said the debt has been settled. And You could say He took that and put a big old stamp on the front of it and said paid in full. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Paid in full. Glory. After that, I'd sing this. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song. Amazing grace. Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. Woo. Hallelujah. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt. That I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song. Amazing grace. Woo. Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. Hallelujah. I used to could have sang that and my voice wouldn't have cracked. But I guess I won't be doing that anymore. Hallelujah. I believe I'll try it one more time. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Oh, Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. Hallelujah. Paid a debt that I could never pay. I see another picture in my mind. And this one is of Jesus. And we know about Jesus. We know all about Jesus. We know all about his birth and mostly about his life, what he did, what he taught, what he said, how he lived. Pretty much everything about him that we can gather from the Gospels and whatever else Paul might have said about him. We know a lot about Jesus. And I'm going to pick it up in the Garden of Gethsemane. And when you read the Gospels, you know, you get four different accounts. You're going to get four different guys telling you. And they're all somewhat different. They're close. Some of them are close. John's a lot different. But, but you're going to get it a different way. So some of what I may say come out, may come out of one Gospel and some may come out of another. But this is how it went down somewhat beginning of the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus was there. Peter, James, and John, he took them in with him. Remember that? He said, y'all stay here. I'll go over there and pray. This is where he said Luke records this. I know Luke records it, maybe one of the others. This is where he prayed and said, Father, you know, if possible, if possible, let me, let me get out of this situation. Let this cup pass from me. But he knew why he came, and he knew he was not, the cup was not going to pass. He knew that beyond a shadow of a doubt. The cup was not going to pass. He said immediately, but nevertheless, not my, not my will, but yours be done. Now, I'm going to skip part of it. But in a moment, there is going to be a group of men that is going to come to him. Led by Judas Iscariot, of course. Now, this group of men that came to Jesus. Uh, when you see plays acted out, or you see even, uh, we're talking about going up to the Passion Play, Pam and I. 
even when you see that group of people come to Jesus, if you've seen it, there's maybe 20, 30 people, 15, 20, 30 people. There was, in fact, a lot more people than that probably came to get Jesus. Did you know that? There's a lot more people than that. It is called a cohort. It's called a contingent. They called it a multitude. Uh, New King James Version calls it a detachment. There were a lot of men in that group. A lot of men. And look into it and see if I'm not correct. But there were actually could have been a few hundred men came to get Jesus. It wasn't 10 or 15 people like you see on Matt Dillon's Gunsmoke. When they're going to lynch somebody. Yeah, we're going down there to get him. 15 or 20 drunken men going to get someone to hang them. It wasn't like that. This could have been three or 400 highly trained Roman soldiers with the best weaponry that Rome could afford to buy. And that's who they sent to get Jesus. Oh, 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 but he does something here that boggles my mind. Now I'm going to get, we'll get to the cross in a minute, but let's talk about this good stuff first. Oh, how I love it so. They came into that garden. This is John's, this is John's writing. They came into that garden to get him. And when they got over there, now what did I tell you? There's a bunch of them. There's a, they were very courageous because there's a whole bunch of them. Amen. They were very courageous. Jesus told them, you could have took me any day in the temple and you didn't even try. Of course, they could not take him because it wasn't time yet. It wasn't time yet. Now it is time. But before he goes to the cross, before he is beaten, before he is, has, has spikes drove through his hands, he's going to show them one last time who's the boss here, boys. Who is in charge? Who is in control? A large group of men. They come in there. It said they had swords, stays, they had clubs. Man, they probably had spears. They had their, uh, they had their uh, uh, torches so they could find him. And they come in there and they're big and they're strong and they're mean. And he says to them, who is it that you are looking for? They said, we want Jesus. They were, very, they were very courageous at this point. We want this man named Jesus. And John says that Jesus said, I am he. And when that came out of his mouth, the whole group, you know what they did, don't you? They ran backwards. The power of God hit them so hard, the entire group ran backwards and fell down now who's courageous now who's I am he and I like to think he went I am he and maybe he did maybe he didn't and when he did backwards they went stumbling staggering now think about this how many men was it if there's several if there's a few hundred of them it was a wreck of a mess is what it was amen one or two people fall down that's one thing this was a few hundred. They fell on top of each other. They probably, some of them might have even got hurt a little. Somebody might have got cut with a sword. I don't know. All I know is this. It says that, it, that right away in the scripture it says that he asked them again, who are you looking for? But I'm telling you, there was some time passed between those verses of scripture. There was some time had to pass. Because it took a while for them to get up, dust themselves off, pull themselves together, and remember what they were there for. And let me tell you what happened then. You got to read a little bit between the lines sometime. One more time, he said, Who are you here looking for? And they said, We're, uh, we're looking for Jesus. Amen. Amen. 
It wasn't quite so bold as it was before. We want Jesus. Now they're like, well, we'd like to have him if we can get him. They took him, right? They took him. Let me get on. I stayed on that too long. They took him. They took him to, uh, I believe one of the gospels says they took him to Annas. Then they took him to Caiaphas. And eventually he would end up with Pilate. Pilate examined him. You know the story. Pilate examined him. Pilate was the guy that said, I don't find any fault in him. I don't know why you've even brought him to me. This man shouldn't be here. They said, uh, we want you to kill him. He said, I'm not going to kill this guy. I said, I'm going to release him to you. Is that the feast? He was going to release a man. They said, he said, I'll just release this Jesus. I said, we don't want Jesus. Who they want? Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. He's a murder and a thief. We'll take him. You keep Jesus. He said, what am I supposed to do with him? They said, crucify him. Well, the Bible says that he, beat, he had him beaten. Scourged is the word that we would use there. It's the word that is in there. It was something that they normally did. If a person was sentenced to crucifixion, they first received a beating. A, a scourge, if you were, will. And you've heard preachers talk about this, I'm sure. You have maybe read it. You have watched programs. You've watched different shows. Um, um, uh, there, was a, there was a show out a few years ago. I don't remember what it was. We never did go to see it. It was when we were in the old building. It was, it was a, a movie about Jesus. Man, it did more good for the church. People go watch that on Saturday night and come to church on Sunday morning already to get saved. Boy, give us some more goodness like that. Amen. They would. You could tell they had been to watch it because it was on their minds. They had seen Jesus crucified the night before. And when they come into church the next morning, they're ready to worship the Lord. I saw it with my own eyes. Well, he beat him. And it said, then he released him to the soldiers and they would take him away. Now, after the beating, undoubtedly, I do not know how severe it was. It was probably very severe. A lot of blood began to run. And this is where we want to go. Because you see, the gift of God, the gift of God, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, was paid for by the blood of our Savior as it ran down off of his body. They took him out into the street after the beating. They laid the cross on his back and he started toward Calvary. He started toward Golgotha. He started toward the place of the skull. It was not in the city. It was outside of the city. But I see it like this. Remember that picture I said I saw in my mind? I saw in my mind of that all of that that Satan had against me? Well, I see another picture now. And this is what I see. I see a man that had been beaten badly. I see a man that is about to go to the cross of Calvary. I see him as they lay the cross on his back and he starts through the city streets. And the blood that ran down off his body, the blood that ran down off of his body, perhaps even down the back of his legs, into the soles of his shoes. I see a man that every time... That he made a step toward Calvary. I said every step that he made toward Calvary. There was probably a bloody footprint there. But I'm going to tell you something church. That bloody foot of that Nazarite. That bloody foot of that Nazarene. Every time he made one step toward Calvary. He paid down on the debt of sin that I would one day owe. And every time he made us, I like that. Did y'all like that? The bloody foot of the Nazarene. Woo! He shall be called a Nazarene. 
That's what it said. He shall be called. And he picked those feet up and he trod his way through the city streets. He went through the city streets till he got to the gate. Through the gate he went. Down and around they went. And they would have turned to go up on Golgotha. And every step that that man made, every step that that man made, paid down a, a little bit on the debt of sin that you would owe. That You owed it. You owed it. You owed it. The debt that I owed. And every time he got a little bit closer to Golgotha, Golgotha, the debt got a little bit less and a little bit less, went to the top of the mountain, laid down, pounded a spike in. The debt that I owed was lessened. They went to the other side, pounded the spike in. It got smaller and smaller. It got to where it was almost non-existent. They nailed his feet, put the cross in the ground, and he stood on the cross. He laid us there on the cross. There's an old song that says, Six hours on the cross. I don't know if he's on there six hours or not. But he's on there long enough to die. And they record this all different ways. Some said he said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Remember that? One of them says that. One of them said he said, I thirst. I think that's John. But John is the one that he says, it is finished. John is the one that says, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and died. And the debt of sin that I would owe. Oh, yeah, i got to accept that. That's what I did in 1982. See, my debt was already paid. I just had to accept it. I said, it's already paid off. Uh, it's stamped on the front, paid in full. Amen. A big old stamp right there, paid in full. All I had to do was accept it. And so when he died on that cross, when he said, it is finished, it is finished. Remember what I said about Jesus taking that big old, about, about the blood, how he took a big red marker and marked through all the wrong that I had done. That's the same thing that happened here. Jesus died on the cross and all that was had been accumulated against me would now be forgiven because of the blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary. Paid in full by the blood of the Lamb. And it's free. Free, free. Free, 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 free. Amen. Because it's already been paid for. It's already been paid for. I'm going. Walking here a while back. Talking. And I'm praying. In my chicken house. Remember that? Remember my chicken house pray house, prayer place? And I'm walking. It's 450 feet down there. Back. And I go from one end to the other. And I just pray. And I walk. And I pray. And I walk. And I pray. And I walk some more. And one day I'm going through there. And you can only pray for so long for people and everything else. I'm the Lord bless this and bless that. And God probably bless me. That's what we tend to do. Lord bless me, bless me, Lord. Oh, bless me, Lord, I need it. Bless me, Lord, I need it. But anyway, you can only go at that for so long. I can only go at that for so long. And I'm going to tell you what happens. I'm going to tell you what happens. This will happen for anybody. You're going along after a while and you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and you've said everything you know to say. After a while, it's time to flip the switch. It's time to flip the switch. It's time to, flip. It's time to go from here. I think of what I'm saying. God bless our pastor. And I go at that for a long time. God do this. God please do this. Please do that. I'm asking you to do this. And after a while I run out of things to say. And you got to flip a switch. And it goes from here. You ready for this? It goes from here to right here. Right here. It goes from here to right here. And the, flip the switch. Remember that. Flip the switch. Flip the switch. And it goes from God help us do this. God help us do that. And let me tell you what I'm about to do. You cannot practice this. You cannot make this up and, you, and, and not feel it. So what I'm about to do. 
what I'm about to show you what happens to me because I've got to do this to get to what I want to say. I'm walking and I'm praying. And I'm going, Lord, this, Lord, this. And after a while, it's halabosarabatata. See these hands? And I don't even know if I'm in the world. You can't practice this and you can't make it up. And I'm going along and I'm doing this. And I'm flinging my hands out there. And I'm talking. And I don't even hardly know I'm in the world. And all of a sudden I get brought back down to earth real fast. A thought passes through my mind. Are you ready? You sound like an auctioneer. I sound like an auctioneer. And I stopped. Dead stopped. And I thought, I do kind of sound like an auctioneer. Now let me make the point for you here. We, we, uh, we had been watching television a few nights. You knew I'd been watching television because all those commercials I know about. And I saw a car auction. And we stopped on it. Barrett Jackson car auctions. And they're selling all these real high-end cars. You know, they're all cars that have been redone. And they're selling them, and I'm hurrying. And, uh, and they're bringing a lot of money. And there is a guy on the floor at that car, and he is a TV commentator, and he's telling you all about that car. Some of y'all have seen this. And you can understand what they're saying, but in the background, what you can barely hear is an auctioneer. And this guy is really fast, really fast. It's just a constant. That's what it sounds like. I don't even know what he's saying. I wouldn't know if they sold a car for a dollar or $10,000 or $100,000. Because it's just a constant little roar, just kind of monotone. Just like that. I wouldn't know what they sold it for, what, what he was selling it for. But that's what it sounds like to me. Now, an auctioneer's job is to sell something, right? For the most that he can possibly get for it. It benefits him. It benefits the people that are helping him. It benefits the person that owns whatever they're selling. It is an auctioneer's job to sell whatever it is that is before him and get the very absolute most that he can for it. But here's what God told me. You can't sell what I got because it's already been paid for. You can't sell it. Already been paid for on the cross of Calvary. Already been paid for on the cross of Calvary. I got a prop. Pam said it's a prop. I thought it was a gift. I got a prop. My brother Jerry, my brother-in-law Jerry Patton told me one time. He preached a sermon like this, and he said. I wrapped up a nice gift, or probably had Linda wrap it up, I don't know. He said, I had a nice gift wrapped up. And he said, ahead of time, I had talked to some different people in the church. And he said, the plan was that I would try to give them this gift. And they would not accept it. And so he set it up with two or three different people, and he took it around and tried to give it to them, and they wouldn't take it. Reject, it's just a reject, it's just showing how easy it is to reject what Jesus has done for all of us. They just would not accept the free gift. They may have said, what kind of strings is attached to this? Nothing's free. I don't know what they said, but they would not accept it. He said, then I just took it right back to my lovely little wife, Linda. That's what he calls her. 
And he said, I said, darling, would you like to have this gift? And she said, yeah, I'll take it. It's just that easy, isn't it? Yeah, I'll take it. It's just that easy. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll accept it. I'm not going to give this gift to anybody. Pam said, are you gonna, who are you going to give it to? I said, I'm going to give it to you. She said, give it to somebody else. I said, I've decided I may not give it away. I may just keep it. This right here is what Jesus has for every one of us, a free gift. It is there for the taking, but many people will reject it and leave it sitting in the church house on the altar or wherever it might be. And it's already been paid for. All you have to do is accept it. It's free and let it be something that, you, that, will, that will help you through your walk, through your everyday life. It's the free gift. And this, this, the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, we thank you tonight. I thank you tonight for these words. Lord, I do not know the situation of every heart and every life in this place tonight. I do not know. But God, we know that we felt that this was burned down deep within our soul. Down deep within our heart tonight. So I have delivered it to the best of my ability. And to remind us tonight that the wage of sin is still death. It's still death. It has never went away. And Lord, help us to realize tonight that that blessing that you gave to us when you sent your son to die upon the cross of Calvary. If we will accept it, it is a free gift for all who will receive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you keep your hand?